Why do people become sexologists? What do sexologists do and what are they like? Welcome to the podcast from one sexologist to another with your host, Sikatak the sexologist from Iceland. Kudlan. Kudlan. Yeah, Kudlan. Okay, perfect. I, I, I've been saying go dele. <laughs> yes, that's all, also that's also that that depends on the language. Uh, uh, but Godela is fine as well. Oh, no, okay. That's good. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was like, oh my god, because I've been listening to some <coughs> interviews with you, and I just can never get the accent down. Godela is fine. It's fine. Okay, okay. How are you? Thank you for um, being on the show. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you for, for having me. And, and sorry, it went, uh, it was a few times difficult. I had, so how is your, or it's a daughter you have, I guess, no? Yeah, I have uh, one daughter and two <coughs> sons. Oh, oh, great. Yeah, and I have a little baby that needs to be put to sleep, you know, take his nap. So you have four kids? No, three. A, no, da- a daughter three. and uh, two boys. And the, the baby is one of the boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, and uh, everything runs around his schedule. <laughs> I know how that works, mm-hmm. yes. yes. Well, mine are 19 and 20, so uh, unfortunately I can't put them to sleep anymore. But uh, but it's it's still fun. It gets more and more fun every day, so don't worry. That's what people tell me. They're telling yeah. me to just, you know, hang on, <clears throat> you will get through this. But then, oh, it's just busy. But uh, I've been, so I've been reading everything I can find about you and everything that Google Translate allows me to read about yeah, you. Yeah, that will be difficult. Yes, I understand. Yeah. So where, where, are you, where are you based? What do you call, where do you call home? For me, home is just outside Brussels. It's Dilbeek. Okay. Um, so, but I do work a lot in Holland mm-hmm. and in the UK as well. So, so it is kind of complicated, I must admit. <laughs> yeah, so you travel quite a bit and, and being the UN ambassador as well, I guess. Yes, yes. And, but that's why it's so good to live just outside Brussels. I'm, I'm very close to the main uh, train station. So to London and to Amsterdam, I take the high speed trains mm. uh, and the airport, of course, Brussels to travel for United Nations. So, so it's, it's a good place to be. And I, I'm, I like traveling, I must admit. And I even like being on my own in a hotel room and I can really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I totally understand. I, I can connect to that. So <laughs> can you tell me a little bit, because I was reading a lot about you and your achievements and the <clears throat> books and the TV programs and the radio shows and the TV shows and, you know, there was a lot. But um, how did you get into sexology? Like, wh- where did your interest start or yeah. begin? Or <clears throat> Well, I'm a, a clinical sexologist. Uh, no, I'm a clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worked in prison with life-sentenced people. And working in prison, and, and I wanted to study further, but, but but then what would I, what to choose to study even more? And working in prison with these life-sentenced people, I realized how important sexuality, in the broader sense of the word, how important that is. For, for what you do in life and what you don't do and what you do in the right way and what you do uh, for, in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I mean, like being feeling attractive, uh, feeling accepted by the other uh, sex or the sex you, or, or feeling at, at ease with your gender. All those things 
really define a lot of your personality and of the things you will do in later life. So did you find that these inmates, these life sentence inmates, were they kind of going over their life and just thinking about how, how their life has been in regards to sexuality as, as one of the things? Or Yeah. One of the things I had to do with these inmates was uh, doing a biograph- biography of them. Mm-hmm. So so going through all their life, and then you often feel that they started struggling, for instance, at teenage age, uh, um, with their sexuality, with not feeling accepted uh, uh, by 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 girls or by men, if, if mm. being a homosexual, for instance, and not being accepted and not being accepted by your parents or your friends, or or being sexually kind of frustrated because nobody wants to talk to you, you f- you feel like a loser, all mm. those feelings give you get direct you in a certain direction of your life in the life of of for instance you know doing yeah really doing the wrong things mm-hmm. i think it's it's obvious okay and so from so that it was really the work with the prisoners that led you yeah. into that path wow Yes, because, you know, I thought, as many people think, oh, you know, sexuality is just about having sex. But it's not. It's such an important part of our life because it's about love. It's about uh, such important emotions, about feeling accepted, about feeling happy, about, you know, when are you really happy? That is when when, when you found love and, and when you feel totally accepted by someone. So... Yeah, I realized there, whoa, it's much broader than I thought, and it's much more uh, of influence, much more important to define whether you're happy or not happy in your life. Mm -hmm. So to find out more, I started uh, studying in Leuven, Louvain, which is a Catholic university. No. Um, Yeah. It's a, a faculty of medicine. They uh, have um, sexo- sex, sexology as a as an, an, a manama. So great. It, it sounds backwards, though. A Catholic university and studying no. sexuality there. Do you don't I think? think it's a, at at that time it was the only university. It's the best university in Belgium, and 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 they are Catholic. But but it's very brave of them, of course, to mm-hmm. to to still. Uh, do this now you have to realize it's uh it's medical education so it's very much it's like you know they they have gynecology and mm-hmm. urology as well mm-hmm. so so they didn't teach us about vibrators so to say right right well they could have seeing as you know doctors invented them so it could have been yes. a good marriage yeah, they they could, and, I, and maybe nowadays they do. But but at those days, no, it was very medically, uh, biological uh, mm. education. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. And what do you feel? Uh, because you you work in such a diverse manner, I think. Or or, or is that correct? Well, I don't have the idea that I work in a diverse uh, manner. Of course, as I say, sexuality and, and sexology. It's a very broad. Uh, education and professions. So um, I I do as well adults as sex education. Although the the last um, let me say the last five years, eight years, I've um, I've spent a lot of time uh, 
for in, in sex education, because also there we realize that it's now more than ever necessary and needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a good thing to be a sexologist and sit in in the clinic and, and help people who are struggling and who are in, in difficulty with their sexuality and, and help couples. But there's also a way of trying to prevent these difficulties and that's where the sex education comes in. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we can prevent all difficulties, but a lot of uh, sexual problems have to do with misunderstandings, uh, bad communication, and especially bad expectations. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, more than ever, young people are, have bad expectations because we started from zero, from scratch, when we had to start, and when we started being sexual but but young people now they have certain ideas which they have found on the internet that don't stroke with reality and and it may get them in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I um I totally agree with you there. Seeing as I work in in sex education as well, mm-hmm. and um, I I do not offer counselling. I I like sex sex ed more, and I like working with young people mm-hmm. and the energy that they have. But uh, how did it come about that uh, you started working in the UK? I, you had that program, um, Sex at School, for Channel mm-hmm. 4. And has uh, and I read somewhere that they were talking about a season two. Yes, yes. I, I really hope they come through. Well, they have changed, uh, um, how you call it? There's new people at Channel 4. But still, okay. still it's in the pipeline. So, so uh, keep your fingers crossed because I really think... Uh, we could do more there and because I've suggested to give sex education and to show that it's necessary to start at an earlier age, mm-hmm. even toddlers can have sex education and people get really scared when I say such a thing because they think that I'm going to stand in front of a classroom and explain how, how the penetration works mm-hmm. and all those things. But, but sex education is about so much more. It's about boundaries. It's about uh, empowerment, uh, feeling what you what you do like to feel and what you don't, and and being able to communicate about it. And it's about so many things. And if we give sex education here in in Belgium and Holland to toddlers, it works great. It really works great. Mm-hmm. So so I would like to to love to do uh, some more of those programs. But but it is. It was already very, very brave of Channel 4 to do the first series of Sex in Class, mm-hmm. you know, with, with 16, 17 years old. The, the the fun thing is that before the show was aired, there was so much crit- and, and it's a scandal. And, you know, people try to make a scandal out of something and, and they haven't uh, seen. Yeah. And that so is the that, British way, you know, with the tabloids and their headlines and. And, and of course, I talk about pornography, but then for the tabloids they make out of it, and here's this woman who's going to show pornography in our classrooms, and which, of course, I didn't do. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, the, but the good thing is, after the show, it was really very, very well um, accepted and very popular, and, and, and huge magazines and newspapers like The Guardian, mm-hmm. uh, The Times, they were really, really very uh, positive about it. And, and so, so, yeah, it came out very well. We even won a great prize. And, oh, know, we did well. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. 
So it so, would make sense. I mean, has this show been bought somewhere else, or do you know? Yes, Belgian, uh, and and I think uh, in in Australia as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm, there was okay. even there was a time where I was contacted by Australian TV to come and do the same thing in in their country, which I would have loved to do, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It maybe. Maybe later when I grow up. (laughs) When you grow. Well, I studied in Australia and this is something that would really harmonize with what they're doing in sex ed there. Yes, it would be really fun to do so, really. And I think because I come from abroad, it makes it more easy for them to to accept it's like a bit a bit of giggling oh my god, what's that crazy woman from Mm -hmm. Holland coming to do here? Mm -hmm. Um so but still it's a way of of with your with your eyes very wide open you be happy that that it's been done and most of the parents in the UK were really after all really happy with what I did there mm-hmm. they said we well, we're so glad that you did this and you open our eyes and and you know and then at the same time they say and in this way we don't have to do it yeah. which i say oh oh that's very much not true because <laughs> yeah. i'm not going to be here every day so you need to continue this mm-hmm. and and it's scary for parents because they think oh that means i have to talk about my sex life and i'm going to have to answer all those uh, difficult questions how oh, mama how do you feel about a blowjob you know mm-hmm. but but that's everybody's the right to his own privacy so you do not have to answer uh, personal questions. That's not what sex education is about. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. I, I totally agree. But yeah. um, but do you have you felt uh, be, because you come? You were saying you know Holland and Belgium, they're quite open in regards to sex education. Why do you think that that is? Well, in Holland they're much more open than in Belgium. I must admit, uh, Holland. Yeah. Well, they've always been been. Uh, clever enough to to really look at at statistics and to realize that even when it is it is not always easy to talk about sex and it is you know you have some some embarrassment and even I have that so but it's not because it's not easy that you shouldn't do it mm-hmm. so and the Dutch they have realized that and and they've looked at the statistics uh, WHO World Health Organization has done so many surveys showing that come on guys we need to give very good and very explicit sex education because it's the only way to to prepare our teenagers for a happier life later on mm-hmm. and 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 people who are against it it's it's against sex education it it more most often is it has to do with lack of knowledge mm-hmm. because they think that that uh, if you give sex education, you you stimulate young people to start having sex at an earlier age, and the contrary is true and has been uh, found in in several surveys. Uh, the more sex education they get, the later uh, they will start having sex. The less amount of sexual partners they will have, and the mm-hmm. third uh, fi- finding, and that it's really important, is the less. Uh, they will uh, suffer from sexual harassment or sexual crimes, as well as a victim, as as a uh, um, offender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is so important mm-hmm. in those days. Mm-hmm. So there's only positive effects of sex education. So who, who gives the sex education in the schools in Holland? 
Well, we have uh, we have Rutgers, which is an organization who uh, has been specializing in those in this area for years for years. It's an uh, an NGO now, and they have very good um, materials. You know, it's not just talking of very nice games and movies and, and, and they go to classes. They mm-hmm. give the sex education. What I did in the UK is very much based on their uh, approach and, and their materials. Mm-hmm. And they go to the schools and then they train the trainers, of course, as well. So they, they train in schools certain teachers mm-hmm. because once you're gone... Mm-hmm somebody needs to continue and exactly. they come every year for 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 once or twice for a week or so they they really take it serious and they realize how important it is if they want to 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 educate their, their teenagers to 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 be more happy in their life for a better well-being and this is something that then the government pays for or the school yeah, or, yeah okay yeah. yeah, it needs Partially, to. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's the way it needs to work in order for but it to be comprehensive. You know, of course, and you need a, a press, and you need people like you, what you're doing now, to to spread the message and to show that there is nothing against uh, good sex education. On the contrary, everybody wants the best for their child. Mm-hmm. So once you have the knowledge and you have the the surveys and you know what the effect will really be. Everybody will embrace good sex education, but you need press people who are brave enough to show that and to talk about this and and to look things up and and not to 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 just say you know the easiest things and Ooh, I'm against it and and that's typical for the Dutch. They they have uh, brave press um, people who really want to go with it and have the courage to go against the flow. Mm, okay. I wonder why Belgians are in Belgium. They are, you know, a little bit more reserved. Yeah, is it the yeah. culture or it's it's a culture? But then still, why is the culture? Of course, the religion very often has to do with it. Mm-hmm. But Belgians are um, are historically not uh, uh, the the how shall I say we we. We don't talk openly. We, we don't. We don't have the courage to to come to. Oh, I don't know how to say. We don't talk openly about what we really want for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We will uh, not yes and do no. You know, it's it's more like a bit. I would say the word hypocrite, but that's not nice. But it's more like okay. You say yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't like conflicts and we don't like to go. Um, yeah, to to fight for for our rights. Hmm. And that has to do, I think, historically, because we always have been repressed and always have been, uh, uh, there's been a lot of uh, foreign uh, leaders here. eh? Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I know that being from Iceland. Yeah, yeah, we're used to somebody else ruling us and it's taken a century almost for us to find our voice. Exactly. That you say it. That's what I wanted to say. We've always other countries have been ruling us, and we've learned to to not raise our voice. We just do. Mm-hmm. And we try to do it behind the scenes, and and so we, yeah, yeah. And and I I think that's a sad thing, and I think it should change. But but it means that also the press is not very uh, powerful and and into mm-hmm. change. 
Mm, I see. Yeah, and, and you need the press to be on your side, like you're saying. Yeah, exactly. If, if you take the WHO uh, guidelines for sex education, it's literally there. You need good sex teachers, educators. You need um, the parents because you can't give mm-hmm. sex education if the parents... And you need a good press because the press can talk to the parents and learn why it's good and why it should be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so... Okay, so you need you need all of those. Mm-hmm. But the, tell me a little bit about the um, UN ambassadorship. How did that come about? Yeah, Kofi um, Annan, uh, you know, he asked me years ago, I got a letter from him asking whether I could be an, a goodwill ambassador for the UNFPA part of the UN, which is dealing with a safe motherhood, mm-hmm. family planning, sex education, women's empowerment. So it's all at the broad sense of sexuality as well, medical, social as emotional. We need to pause. Kofi Annan wrote you a letter. Like, yes. Who gets a letter yes. from Kofi Annan? It's, it's, yeah, it sounds I still crazy. Have it. You can imagine. I can, I, and it, at first, when I got that letter, I thought it was a joke from one of those hidden camera uh, shows or so you see you don't you don't but then i got a phone call from un brussels and and it, and uh, they came here and it was an official um delegation and and the, wow. I, i've been doing that since 2000 and i've traveled a lot to to all those countries where sex education and family planning is is very uh, needed which is all over the world, so to say, mm-hmm. and and I I'm convinced that it's I, I think everybody knows that it's it's the real the real way to to uh, help problems is that every child is a wanted child and that girls all over the world can decide how many children they want with whom they want it mm-hmm. at what age with what spreading <clears throat> and and you know by choice. Not by chance, and I'm not saying that you can only have one child, but but you you can choose nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the means are there. So, but isn't it frustrating to you to go into maybe some developing countries where you see all these um, backwards attitudes and mindset and religious values that are dictating the lives of women? I, I'm not sure I could do it just out of frustration. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see a lot of good things happening. Huh? Okay. You see, I see a lot, a lot of good things happening, and and things are really uh, changing. And and I, I must agree, it's it's not going fast enough. And sometimes I do get frustrated. But in the main meantime, you see a lot of good practices, where if you work all together, um, and 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 if you t- look at a problem from different angles. Um, and, and solve the different angles in the meantime, that you really can change a lot. Well, let me talk about FGM, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, genital mutilation. There's been really successful stories in Kenya, in in areas of, of uh, Ethiopia, and it always has to do with the end, end, end approach, meaning that you need end good sex education uh, educators. So the UN is, is training young people as sex educators. They go into the villages to preach, uh, um, to talk about sexuality and about the, the consequences of FGM. Mm-hmm. And of course, they cannot do that 
if the UN doesn't talk first to mm -hmm. the heads of these villages, because if not, those children, those teenagers wouldn't survive their, their uh, teaching, their lessons. Mm -hmm. And you need a government who says, you know, we, we need laws against it mm -hmm. to, to enforce uh, what, what, what we're talking about. And you need to give another job, for instance, to the women who used to be the ones who, who, who did the, the genital uh, mutilation. Mm -hmm. you, they need another job, a job with the status. So UN mm -hmm. is, for instance, training those women to become um, birth attendants. Wow, okay, that's amazing. Instead, yeah, so they have another income with status and, and mm -hmm. you see, so it's, it's, if, if you take those different approaches, you can go in, in five years, really, from 99% of the girls uh, ha having, having uh, FGM to one or 2% of the girls. And that's amazing. So you do see a lot of good practices as well. Yeah, there's a lot of encouragement in those numbers. Yeah, really. If 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 you if we do it together with with different, it's, it doesn't help if you just vote against. If you just say it's forbidden by the law, that mm -hmm. won't help. Mm -hmm. And and it won't help if you just train the the teenagers to go into the villages and have uh, they, they have a small theater and they play uh, games and they show, you know, bad consequences. But mm -hmm. and it, so you so you need all those things together, and and that's why. It's great that you need local uh, NGOs, and but you need a, a big and an important institute like United Nations to go in there and to say, listen, you know, to lobby with ministers, to 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 talk to the the wise people in the villages. You you need uh, yeah. So you need uh, to be powerful. On what level do you is 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 your work then like in what capacity do you go through all these different um, different organizations or are you mostly uh, you know do you go into the villages are you a part of that yeah. training program and then also talking with lawmakers yeah. or we what we do both uh, we go into the villages of course um, and we talk I've spoken to a few ministers but that's more like an as an uh, an encouragement for the people who do that on a daily basis over there mm -hmm. because you know and then the press comes when we are there and so it's all it's all putting our shoulders right. underneath the the same goal and it's all pulling the same rope and and then you really see that it moves mm -hmm. and and that is with with uh, fgm i've seen really and it's the same with with uh, family planning in some villages and in some it's it's really starting i've i've been in iraq last year talking about a family planning which is whoo come on can you realize mm -hmm. what's mm -hmm. happening there mm -hmm. so yeah and what do you talk about in family planning well we call it bird spacing Okay. It's much more safe to call it. It's, it's you see that's what I've learned as well that that the diplomacy yeah and diplomacy is sometimes needed mm. and and what what we say is well we, well, we show scientific um, materials and and surveys showing how important it is 
that that uh, you that you space uh, the birth between children and that so that the mama can recover and that the children it gives them a higher chance of surviving higher chance to be really healthy uh, higher chance to get an education in later life so mm-hmm. there's so many correlations between this birth spacing so and, and are you allowed to also talk about um like sex after birth and sex during pregnancy is that allowed to enter the conversation or we do we do okay <laughs> we okay. Do. okay but it's 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 women's you know what what we do is like for instance in iraq in these refugee camps uh, of syrian people you you have these um classes where they can you have knitting machines and and women come there and they come together and they they are having lessons in how to knit uh, clothes and which mm-hmm. is a good thing because they mm-hmm. can they can sell them then and they can and meanwhile what do you do while you're knitting you talk you talk yeah. and that's where we come and talk and we're not forcing any ideas but you just tell them the the possibilities mm-hmm. you must realize that the the they do not do not have internet. They do not have mm-hmm. uh, Western television. They do not have. They very often just lack the information. But how does it? How is it empower? Especially for you know that type of culture, how is it to empower just the woman? Don't you need to then talk to the men? Yeah, well? that's 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 the difficult, especially in in um, the example I just gave. Mm-hmm. What, what we do then? Uh, you talk to the women, and then. They will never do something without the men mm-hmm. uh, agreeing. So they, but women have a lot to 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 say. It's we call it pillow influence. Mm. They can they can mm. influence the men as well, and of course we have. Uh, but but that's then male uh, uh, UN people who talk yeah. to the men. Yeah, and yeah. It's local people. So so you have yeah you have local doctors. Uh, working for United Nations for UNFPA, and they uh, talk to the men. <clears throat> so you focus on the positive, and you because you see these positive outcomes, it kind of I don't know gives you strength to continue on in maybe difficult situations. Yeah, yes, of course, and and it it's not always easy, and you need a lot of courage. Um, I mean, I, the amount of work you put in it. Um, it, I mean, it would be much more easy and and much more appreciated, I guess, if you talk about uh, hungry children and you go wrap their, uh, caress their hair and make pictures of that. And, and mm-hmm. you see, it's much more easy. It's what you often see royals do. Right. <laughs> you know, but but uh, um, but even there, the Dutch royals they talk to me about uh, the sex education and sex education. It's incredible. They are so brave and courageous. Perfect. Well, uh, ro- the, royals the royal are sexually king. active. I'm guessing <laughs> they yes, are but, sexual but beings. In our country, they would they they try to act as if I don't exist. Uh, oh, talking about okay. this, but the our the king of of the Netherlands was at a. Um, at a celebration of the organization I just mentioned, Rutgers, uh, who do nothing but sex education and, and talk about sex. And he was there and he, he joined and, and he had a speech. And so so that's a very courageous mm-hmm. thing as well yeah, to do. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. see other royals in Europe doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, because is it, true. Yeah. it is sensitive uh, uh, topics. 
Mm-hmm. And and you need again, you need courageous people to to stand up, mm-hmm. and and that's what the Dutch royals they do. As a matter of fact, I met last week. I met a, a princess in Holland, and she said, "Oh, who do you know whom you should Skype? You should talk to um, Madame Gandhi. She's in New York. She's so up to, and she's talking about pussy fights. And <laughs> can you imagine a princess talking like that?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. She's very, very clever. She's not just a princess with a crown and 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 shaking the hands, but she's a very clever uh, woman. Mm. But but that's it, with people like that can make a huge difference. But do you find um, I don't know? Do you find a bit of a disconnect, or maybe it harmonizes? I'm just asking out of curiosity. Between it almost seems like two lives: the um, being the UN ambassador, and then you're hosting all these TV shows, and you know because you have celebrity status. They what what I gained from your portfolio? They're asking you to do all these things that are not related at all to your speciality and your knowledge. Yes, they are related to that. That all the things I do on TV are related to to sex education, and yes, yes, they are. Oh, and, I was reading something about <clears throat> you hosting some game show and stuff like that. But that's that's of twenty five years ago oh, okay. before I finished the education. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. <clears throat> no, the things I do on TV all are related to to my work. And to my education, mm-hmm. and sense. and it, whether it's with with teenagers or children, or or even talking to to the people who attended uh, uh, Temptation Island to the candidates, I want to to talk to them and know why do you do this and how does it work, and so yeah, yeah, they they all connect, yeah, and okay. of course the the it's to another extent. But I, I'm convinced that the the influence and the effect on the community is the same. I mean, it's as important to talk in Belgium, to learn people in Belgium and in Holland to talk as couples about sex and to give them the words and and mm-hmm. and to teach them how to talk as it is to talk in, in Iraq about uh, the, the possibility to, to modern contraceptives uh, to save lives and, and mm-hmm. to say, yeah. So I think it's as important. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. I, I, yeah, and I didn't mean to t- trivialize the media. Work. No, just, no, no, no. When I read about it, I was like, wait, it's what? It's a good question because a lot of people, it's a good question because a lot of people don't get it. No, I, I've I've worked in the media quite a bit myself, so I've had that, and it feels often trivialized and a little bit dismissed, even, you know, because they think it's maybe just for show or funny, and they don't always maybe realize the educational aspect of it. No. Yes, and and I think it's yeah, yeah, I do agree that they try sometimes they try out of. I don't know what it is, but 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 most people nowadays um, they 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 realize that it's very important. Yeah, it, well, it might be that um, especially for the field of sexology, we we often have these sexperts who are people that have not been trained, and sometimes they do give uh-huh. the wrong advice, and that's kind of been rampant in the media yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and and that's I hate it when they call me a sexpert 
or when they call um, because you know I've I have a, a really high training mm-hmm. it's a PhD from from the the, the the classic university in Belgium it's uh, um, I mean I it's not just talking about sex a little bit so yeah and it's so not you I and your sex it. life it's it's no a profession don't talk about my own sex life no i know they often they often think that well that tends to be the case i find with these so-called sex experts yeah we, well i think in belgium we hardly have them anymore the sex oh okay words. do you have well, a lot the, of the, is there a strong sexology community in belgium uh, in Holland, there is in mm-hmm. Holland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm part of the the uh, Dutch community, but yeah. also yeah. Yeah, are you guys a part of EFS or have you been to those conferences, the European Federation of Sexology? Yes, yes, yes. Mm, okay, I'm uh, I'm in Nax, the Nordic Association ah, okay. of Clinical yeah, Sexology, yeah. and we want to. We want to stretch our finger to the other European nations to see what they are doing. Okay, yeah. Because, um, you know, I think we can always get more strength if we work together. That's my stance. Yeah, yes, of course. Uh, and, and and we, of course, link a lot, but that's also for me with the UN. Mm-hmm. We link a lot with IPPF. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. and WHO. So what do you think is, um, before I let you go, um, what do you think the future of sex looks like? Uh, you mean for us as, as a, a sexologist or in, in, in sexual, for, I mean, for society? E- either or, you can choose. Yeah. Oh. I think, you know, the good thing is that that, uh, young people, I'm not that negative about young people. I mean, there are quite a few challenges and one of them is porn and how to counterbalance that. But you can counterbalance it easily if you you give good sex education. Um, So, and you see that they they still want romantic love and and they want a relationship and it's not that that they're all like going crazy Mm -hmm. so I think it's going to gonna kind of it's it's going it's going fine and and honestly our sex life has never been better well it has but 10 years ago it was it was maybe a little better but mm-hmm. if you if you compare our sex life to the sex life of all those countries i visit um honestly we are uh, we can be really happy huh mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have the best men uh, from, in western europe from all over the world because and they are not perfect as well as we are not perfect, but but if if I talk in certain countries about the female orgasm and the clitoris, they look at me as if I talk Chinese. <laughs> so so we're doing fine. So so and there's still some work to, to be know, done. They don't want to know about the clitoris in the refugees ca- refugee camps while they're sewing they and knitting. No no idea what you're talking about. Right. No. And and let's think honestly, if. 50 years ago how was it was it in belgium mm-hmm. during the world war for instance that's a longer but how was it mm-hmm. i mean it's it's uh, so so we we can't complain i'm not saying that there's no work to be done mm-hmm. but we're on the right track right and there's there it's it's a bumpy road still but we are on the right track mm-hmm and okay. we can, and there's few a few bumps uh, in our vision now and and challenges as 
um, that we need to be taken. Like, as I say, the porn, a multicultural society. Mm -hmm. So, so more than ever, our work is needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that we've gone backwards in some manner? In some areas, we have to be careful not to go backwards indeed. And, and that's uh, a female uh, pleasure. Mm -hmm. female sexuality we really need to be careful not to 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 go backwards and by that you mean in regards to female pleasure yes i mean that that uh, um the the real freedom of female f pleasure and and asking and getting what you want in in your sexual life um I see that along some people are really, and 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 it's it's not men's fault. Women are as guilty as men in this. But I see some young girls acting as if they're in a porn movie with a lot of noise and and with all these acrobatic um, uh, poses without really enjoying. And then I asked them, I said, "But have you ever had an orgasm?" No, 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 I never had orgasm. Do you physically enjoy those one-night stands? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. But they, they play as if they're the, the sexy young girl. Yeah, it's, it's performance-based. Yeah, yeah, it's performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I'm, I'm about to give a talk about exactly what you were mentioning in Oslo in a conference in two weeks. So I'm glad that you brought this up because this would be this would be one of the things that uh, we will be discussing there. Yes. Oh, I'll join you. When is the conference? Uh, it is in the first week so it's the uh, 3rd and 4th September in Oslo and it's gynecologists and urologists I think and nurses mm -hmm. midwives and you're gonna talk there yeah I will be only English speaking speaker I believe oh it, okay it, no that's not <laughs> no the, the rest of it is in Norwegian so I mean and I don't speak Norwegian it's it, even though I speak Icelandic it does not make me able to understand Norwegian yeah uh, But I think it will be very interesting. And um, yeah, and then they have the NACS conference in Turku, in Helsinki, in, in Finland, I mean, in Turku, in Finland. And that's yeah. in October. And there everything is in English. Uh, okay. You send me some emails because I need always some extra encouragement to block those days in my agenda. Oh, perfect. I would have loved to have you in Iceland when we did our conference. If I just had had the mind space i was like oh I, i i was even it was a shot in the dark to ask you to talk to me because i was like oh she's such a big name and you know she probably doesn't do these interviews but i said oh well you know what the hell i'll just check and worst case scenario no, no, she just I'm, says no 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 i'd love to but you know how this goes you have so many things yeah and then and then oh if someone and you get an email from the and oh you know so you, I need some extra encouragement. Please okay, perfect. Don't hesitate to send me those. Okay, thank you for an amazing chat. Continue your good work that's saving the world and the teenagers in it, and the adults and everyone. Well, great, and let's let's keep in touch. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Thank you. Have a good day. Have a good day. Okay. Bye, bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From One Sexologist to Another. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can contact me on my website, sigadag.com. That's S-I-G-G-A-D-O-G-G dot com.